0: What's up, everyone? It is two p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon, which means you're tuning into cannabis legalization news today. We are joined by Patrick McManimum from Canisher. We're going to get into cannabis industry insurance, but first we do have to get into the news summary. So, Tom and Maggie, what happened in weed this week?
1: Hey, oh, uh, high times is back in print. That oh, happened in weed this week. So, uh, yeah, I've gotten a couple episodes of the High Times magazine, and it looks like a wonderful rebranding uh, of the magazine. And they do also explain their new dispensaries.
0: Oh, well, and I believe I saw a post they're
1: doing delivery too now. They're they're logging up for that in California. Oh, delivery. That's an interesting type of license. And thanks so much for joining us on the new channels. That's one of the things. We're <laughs> yeah. still under penalty under uh, YouTube, but not on the podcast networks that are out there. And I was talking to somebody in the, in the space uh, today regarding how you do have to kind of make these redundancies because what will happen is, as you are talking about changing the laws, some people don't want you talking about changing the laws. But it really, I think it has to do with the election. So maybe, hopefully, we just lay low until after the election. Then they'll allow our channel to uh, publish more. Maybe we'll even win our uh, strike appeal. That would be awesome.
0: I don't know. I just think it's, there's still that, that that tinge of reefer madness. Uh, did you hear the uh, uh, Montana District Attorney what they said or the no, United States Attorney I'm out of Montana? Uh, this 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 freaking genius. Um, Let me see if I can share it. Um, I can't share. Can can Lauren? Can you share me? (laughs) (laughs) So they put out this statement here, and you know what? Why do they put statements out on the official like Department of Justice page? I mean, who actually goes here and checks this shit? But. The guy is just spewing reefer madness about the upcoming just, uh, uh, the uh, United uh, States
1: District, uh, U.S. Attorney's Office of the District of Montana. So, yeah, this is uh, that's hilarious. No, yeah. people don't vote for it.
0: Yeah, legalization will increase as seen in Colorado. and or. I mean, he's talking about this uh, use. Into- Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, Go ahead. No, just like the whole thing. That news,
1: there's like the other news. Like Jim Cramer's reporting that uh, a blue win, aka a Democrat win this uh, election season, might be great for the marijuana industry. Like, great for the marijuana industry. Because, like, right now, like, maybe that different administration, different Department of Justice. Well, you know, it's kind of a win, lose,
0: lose, win, whoever wins, right? Because Republicans win and business will be okay. If Democrats win, then at least. Maybe because yeah, the 90s us.
1: sucked. Right. You know, like when Clinton was manning the ship, it was just terrible. It was just you know, it, it, that's, that I don't think so. And so uh, hopefully it, it turns out to be uh, a blue win because that would open up stuff. And then Marijuana Moment was reporting something as well this week. Of course, Marijuana Moment reports not just this week, but they, they report on a daily basis. And so they're starting to tell Texas that it would be billions of dollars of revenue if marijuana was legal in Texas. Yeah, it would create twenty to forty thousand jobs, two point seven billion dollars in sales. Both hemp and, and and cannabis,
0: though, can you imagine that 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 income would be amazing? Did, uh, did you see New Zealand? How we how we were hoping for them? No, has the the vote come down? So they're done voting. Uh, their prime minister won because she's amazing. But uh, okay. reading this this headline from Cannabis Health Insider, they're saying the results won't come out until November 6th really? for the cannabis issue. Uh, I guess November it's part of the process. You know, well, so. how
1: long do you think it's going to be before our election's called? I, I'll guarantee you it's not going to be election night
0: because of well, how many okay.
1: mail-in ballots there are.
0: Yeah. I mean, what what they say? Already 30 million? Something ridiculous. Right? Yeah.
1: Something yeah. ridiculous. But, you know, there is some good news out of the state of California. state of California is now open for uh, license windows. And so license windows are going on now, and they'll be going on this fall in California. Uh, hopefully, we can help somebody in Fresno. Fresno's out there. Uh, Fairfield. I'm not sure if anybody's from Fairfield. Stanton. Novato. El Centro. Concord. Union City. We already said Fresno. Chico. Corona. Fullerton. Sacramento. San Bernardino. Yep. There's going to be some, some license opportunity in California, man. That's like
0: central, too. It seems like they're doing a lot of central.
1: uh, Well, you have to remember the central part of California didn't when they they legalized it, you know, they didn't really legalize it. They allowed the communities to legalize it at their leisure kind of. Well, I mean, it's legal, but the business wasn't welcome in that particular area of the state. And then as time goes by and tax money is tax money and coronavirus is coronavirus. Then it made a lot more sense for them to start these new uh, licensing windows. And some of them, they aren't necessarily cultivation. They'll be like dispensing. You know, like, all right, we'll, we'll take that tax revenue right here. Plug that in. So, I mean, like, seriously, like, do you think that people aren't buying weed in Fresno? Come on. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. It's no, definitely uh, Come on. happening. I mean, I used to live in nope. uh, there. So, yeah, we smoking weed. But uh, I guess this. So starting Did though, you ever buy any weed in Fresno? Yeah. No, no. Well, Fresno is only an hour away from, about an hour and a half from uh, Lemoore where uh, I did some school for the Navy. And then, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, I'm just like, there's a lot of weed out there. It's just, but it's a lot of uh, Republican type, uh, conservative type people too, you know, because military base and all that stuff.
1: But. Uh, uh right. I know where all the military bases are. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, I point a- out Fort Bragg on a map. Oh, shit. Um, Texas?
0: Yeah, I, I could point to a couple, but yeah, but that's only because I've been there. No.
1: Uh, well, I, I didn't serve. Like, I'm not a veteran, and so like I have no idea where any military bases really are. I know that West Point is in New York. There we oh. go. And I have a cousin that was at the Air Force Academy. That's somewhere in Colorado.
0: I well, don't up. have a need. I couldn't tell you where any sort of banking stuff is at.
1: Sure. So what other uh, news did you have going on in your uh, neck of the woods? Cause we had some crap that happened in Illinois and then I'm going to be doing a webinar on one of them uh, because the uh, state got sued again this time by the craft growers. And then what they did was they kind of said like, Oh, you want those things? Well here you can have them. And we're not done grading the application. Oh my God. So um, that's yeah. Crazy, or they, expect more 10 day notices in the craft growers. And then of course, like, Uh, And the in the uh, I'll prepare the materials for the webinar. So tune in. You're probably got that via email today if you were tuning into the show. Uh, And uh, we'll talk about all the six pieces of litigation that are there and also maybe some legislative amendments that might be coming to the CRTA next session.
0: Oh, did you see? uh, uh, So apparently uh, some uh, activists in Mississippi, uh, they're trying, you know, politics, they're trying to get uh, people on board and uh there's a trump campaign it's telling them to stop with the cease and desist using his name which i find ironic because he uses everybody's music and doesn't
1: care well again <laughs> so, they're like trump will sign it uh, says everybody that i've ever talked to that thinks trump is pro weed and then they're like all right but then have you seen what everybody in his administration is doing it doesn't sound like it's really pro weed at all and yeah. so um I'm kind of glad that the polls are hopefully right this year and then he'll be gone because that would be awesome for, you know, we wouldn't be in YouTube jail as much.
0: Can oh, you imagine goodness.
1: if we weren't in YouTube jail? Oh my gosh. imagine
0: if we could travel? But, you know,
1: <laughs> uh, yes. Oh my goodness. You know, like, uh, because I'm, I'm lawful here, you know, and then you're law. Of course I'm on the enterprise, but still I'm lawful. And then you're lawful on the, in that lakefront uh, property. But if yeah. we try to get to Idaho or Iowa, Ooh, they don't like and my you know, kind around there.
0: You know, who has a lot of issues with that are people who travel interstate with commerce for like hemp and stuff, you know? And then they-, hemp they interstate
1: they, commerce can be quite tricky.
0: Yeah, and do you think they have insurance when they do that?
1: I would hope. Now that's one of the things that's really difficult about operating in the cannabis industry is because like, aren't all the contracts illegal? Kinda, mm. at least at the federal level. So how does that, like if you have insurance can you make a claim and get it paid? Are they gonna be like, nope, sorry.
0: Yeah. Well, that's okay. So and then, like for the hemp thing, what if you test hot? Like, how is that covered? Is it doesn't get covered?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And then some states, like you know, the ones that begin with I, Idaho, Iowa, Indiana, like they have very, very stringent uh, policies that try to get into compliance, the Republican compliance with the USDA, where it's just like, oh, you're over the line, burn it and arrest that you- man, you know. You forgot I, Texas. <laughs> Ugh. I mean, they stopped
0: already millions of stuff going through because Ohio's right there, or Oklahoma. I think I know somebody who might be able to answer some questions about cannabis insurance. Hey, Patrick, what's going on?
2: Hi, guys. How are you doing?
0: Pretty good. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing at Canisure?
2: Sure. So Canisher uh, started about 10 years ago. Um, we started uh, because a friend of mine opened up a medical marijuana dispensary in San Diego and he called me and needed general liability insurance for his dispensary to satisfy his landlord. So uh, from there basically it became the idea of, you know, servicing these businesses. Um, I called every insurance company that I could to see if they would pro- provide insurance. and. I got hung up on and laughed at and everything that you would imagine. I probably made about a hundred calls. And, you know, after I realized that I said, well I think I'm onto something here because the actual risk associated with this is no different than any other mainstream American business, whether it be a dispenser, whether it be a pharmacy, a jewelry store, a drug store, whatever it was. Um, and the reasons that they were giving me for no, were just perceived reputational risks. So um, if we spent the next 10 years building a business that we provide general liability, product liability, property coverage to, To the plant touching businesses of the of the industry,
1: so product liability, Mm -hmm. product liability, like in case your weed explodes.
2: Well, yeah, your vape pen uh, per se, right? Right. You know, people have, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of edible products that are being made. People have a lot of different food allergies. Uh, sometimes the labels are sometimes the products, especially early on, were not properly labeled. And they could have had an allergen or some other type of chemical in there that could have caused an adverse reaction for someone. So those are some of the things, you know, we've seen a lot of mislabeling stuff, usually um, not res- not necessarily around potency, but more around the actual ingredients inside that product.
1: Right on. Oh, fascinating. So it does sound, though, like you're breaking some federal crimes. That's what we do here sometimes. i <laughs> begrudgingly only because Congress hasn't fixed this issue yet. So how do you deal with your interstate uh, commerce then if you're trying to insure uh, an operator in California or in Colorado?
2: Sure. So insurance is, um, is is actually regulated on a state basis, not on the federal level. So uh, each individual state has its own insurance department that sets its own rules and regulations. There's obviously a common association amongst them, but for the vast majority of them, uh, they, they set their own rules and regulations. So from our standpoint, you know, if it's legal in the state, it's legal what, uh, what we're doing. Um, we, our, our customers cannot transport product. <clears throat> excuse me, what is related to THC product from California, obviously, anyplace else, because that's federally legal. But, you know, right. I heard you guys make a comment before, you know, if we had a policy, is it even going to cover you? And so uh, I would tell you in the early days, you know, there were a lot of companies that had uh, very specific, if you're in violation of federal law, that's it, right? It was on page 73 of the policy and, and nobody looked at it because nobody wow. looked at the insurance policy. So we did and we didn't sell them. So when you read our policy, there is no reference to the word federal law. What it regard, what it what it relates to is a state state or county rules and regulations. So you have to be in compliance with your state and county rules and regulations. As long as you're in compliance with those, we pay the claims.
1: And you should, because like, again, with a state regulation there, plus in many of all the statutes that I've read legalizing it, uh, they always have that thing where they'd say all contracts shall be binding. You know, because they, they thought somebody would try to get out of a contract going like, sorry, bro, supremacy clause. It's illegal (laughs) at the federal level. It's like, Hey, you're, you're licensed by the state. It took place in the state. I paid you your, your estate licensed insurance company. The loss right. occurred in uh, not in Phoenix, Arizona, the loss occurred in, you know, Peoria, Illinois. And, and so, and then if you were going to sue uh, on like the denial of the claim, and they're like, well, we'll sue you to enforce it. Uh, that would happen where it was located. So like all of that makes sense for them to actually be able to uh, pay their claim. I just was wondering if there were, uh, perhaps like fly-by-night internet uh, insurance agents that are purporting to sell uh, cannabis insurance.
2: You know, I, I'm sure there are. I mean, it, as in any industry, in any new growing business, people are always going to try and take advantage of it. Um, I would tell you that you know if you would have talked to me, you know, like I said, this is my going to be my tenth year uh, in this space. You would ask me in uh, t- between 2010 and 2014, I probably could have listed off about five or six people. I wouldn't, you know, if you shook their hand, I count my fingers afterwards. <laughs> But you don't see that many of them. You don't really see it more. You see a lot more professionalization has happened, um, especially in the insurance agents. And they also understand, you know, these businesses are in their community. So right. these are local business owners inside their community. And if you're going to screw them, then, you know, you're not gonna, your name's not going to go very far. You're not going to last very long. So, you know, we work with about 600 different independent insurance agents across the country. Um, all of them have varying levels. Some do one piece of business and some, this is all they do. You know, it just it just depends on who they are and where they're at.
1: Yep, yeah, but you just hit—you hit one of the big bingo buttons of the cannabis uh, industry. It is very local. You have to remember that, like this stuff isn't exported from France. No. You know, it, it's not the, the wine industry. It's this stuff is being grown locally. This stuff is being sold locally. The people that get the license are usually involved in the community, tied to the community, and because then they have enough trust, that they aren't going to do that and start acting uh, like yeah. they're a profiteer or, or a bad actor in the. Uh, in the space, which again, you know, it's the wild west. It is, can be the wild west in certain states. That's for sure.
0: Do you guys also uh, cover hemp or is it just cannabis you're doing right now?
2: So we do hemp. We don't have as much hemp as some of the others. Um, You know, that's, that's drawn a lot of interest from a lot of different companies, uh, insurance companies because the federal legality has been removed or perception that that has been removed and there's all kinds of things you can do. Right. So there's been a lot more activity and interest on the hemp side Uh Um, You know, we've tended to focus on the more difficult place things to place, such as the cannabis industry, the THC specifically, because, number one, it's growing so much. I want to stay focused on what we do well. And uh, we do have quite a few large hemp processors. You know, we're not insuring small farmers, but we have large processors and things like that that kind of fit more of our model.
0: How do you ensure that? Like, what if they tested hot? I mean, now you have five, five acres of whatever that was supposed to be worth you know are you giving the market value how are you looking at that situation so
2: that type of coverage we don't that that would be like um you, you know crop coverage you hear the word crop coverage thrown around a lot in the marijuana industry and it's not crop coverage it's not when you think of the farmers in Iowa that get you know coverage for Nebraska for corn or whatever it may be that's not available in the marijuana industry. It will eventually and soon be available in the hemp industry, right? But the FDA, the USDA haven't come out with the rules. They haven't put the insurance program in place. So there isn't there. Now, just, to speak specifically about hot hemp, you know, I don't think the government's gonna provide a backing for that. That's going to be a private insurance product that may come around. And I would tell you that you you would probably it's gonna take a while to get there, right? Because there's no information, there's no data. <clears throat> As we all know, everybody grows their product differently,
1: right? And they are Oh no, there's data. Like the genetics of the genetics. If we're talking about C B D hemp genetics, yeah but But how people
2: how people actually grow, right? Well what they're doing and how they're doing it, right? They all have their own way, their own method, their own thought. Their way is the best, right? So For us to write insurance policies on that, you have to have some level of standardization. And rightfully so, growers don't want us to tell them what to do and how they should do it, right? I don't know how to grow marijuana. I don't know at all. So to provide that type of coverage, you need to have a deeper level of understanding. And I think that we're just not there yet. I think there will be there. Um, You know, we do have some parametric policies, which would cover you if you're growing plants outdoors, specifically for hemp or or, uh, marijuana, you could get... um, wind and hail coverage, drought coverage, and things like that. And those are based on parametric scales. That's a newer product that's, you know, really starting out right now. You know, we'll see how that goes and what the adoption rate of that is. Um, what, what about, about fire? Just speaking and of fire, like, fire any yeah. type of name peril, right? Fire, wind, windstorm, hail, flood, earthquake, all of those types of things, you can buy parametric cover for.
1: So do you so think clays like, are going to be happening this harvest because of the the wildfires that were out there? Uh, I'm sure. Uh, I, I know that the, the parametric coverage is a brand new one. I um, mean, I'm talking like
2: a couple months. Oh, so wow. it's probably not been had any adoption rate at all um, out in that out, especially out in California and the, in the areas that they're getting crushed with the wildfires um the vast majority of the crops that are probably already out there they're not insured to begin with right so once they bring them indoors they could be it could be into a drying room or whatever else that's a different cover that's that, that they are starting to be covered there you could have issues you know with smoke damage and things like that but if it's sitting out in the field chances are they probably either weren't able to buy coverage because it wasn't available or if they did they chose not to because it was too expensive
0: huh so we say uh per- it's parametric coverage yes so it's kind of like you're anticipating little scenarios for each thing right uh for brick and mortar like everything's cash only uh do you offer any uh, uh like if someone gets robbed mm-hmm. or anything like that uh, that's yeah,
2: we do. so property like product and property in transit cash and money and securities in transit right so uh dispensary has um a couple hundred thousand dollars of inventory on their shelves uh they get robbed uh, they have cash in hand as well. There could be sublimits attached to it. You know, you could maybe have $50,000 in cash coverage or a hundred or whatever it may be, whatever you chose to buy, but that's available. And then in terms of, Of transportation right from the cultivation facility to different dispensaries there's also um, coverage there as well and then now you have the delivery services obviously from the business to the consumer obviously much smaller values and amounts Um, it is available to you it just depends on what type of controls you have as a business you know a single guy that's doing deliveries out of something that's basically keeping a couple pounds in his trunk and parks his car in his driveway every night is probably not going to get a secure insurance policy to protect his inventory but he can get auto insurance to provide you know coverage there
1: yeah that's fascinating that that is a license type in uh jurisdiction isn't that's in that something you could be a weed delivery man yeah right <laughs> it takes so, a, lots of jobs yeah, out there for people man yeah it's it's 2021 almost right. so uh, what aspects of the cannabis industry do you think pose the biggest risks to insurance or, or that require the insurance?
2: Well, you know what we're seeing now is obviously the, the facilities are getting very, very big, right? Limited license states, large facilities. You know, a couple of years ago, I would every once in a while we'd see some building that was worth twenty-five or thirty million bucks. We're seeing every couple of weeks, every actually, I should say, every week, we're seeing buildings that are north of fifty. We have a couple in the door right now that we're working on that are one hundred and fifty million dollars in in value uh, at that cultivation facility. So you have a loss there, right? I mean, that's that's a massive, massive loss. Um, And so we have that. Um, Obviously, there's still a lot of product liability potential out there, right? There's still new products are being developed all all the time. Um, New new people are coming into the marketplace that might not have the best experience um, in terms of what they're creating, whether it be an edible product, a oil, a tincture or whatever. And they might not just be as experienced as one would hope. And there's an opportunity there for a lot of contaminants potentially to get into products and then make their way into the stream of commerce, which would be a big issue. Um, So, you know, those are the things that we see. The most common claim and the most common thing we see is theft, obviously at dispensaries, right? It's yeah. high value, it's yeah. the front door of the industry. Everybody knows
1: that it's in cash because that's all everybody talks about all the time. And they well, know they it's, get the it's, the, it's the federal crap, you know? It's like, right. it's, I'm sorry you can't walk in and just, I mean, like you don't go to Chanel or something and be like 100, <laughs> right. 200, 300, no. Um, and so, yeah, but then you're buying a product that's, you know, hundreds if not thousands of dollars. right? It's just so ridiculous, and so we really are hopeful that uh, the administrative makes this tip a, a change, at least get the Safe Banking Act passed in 2021. That would be epic. I mean, if uh, the if it's a blue Congress and Biden will sign it, man, that would be cool. I mean, that would really open up the industry, but then as the money gets more and more into this industry, and you're talking about big weed, I mean, you're not talking about mom and pop weed. You were just talking about like corporate monolithic weed, that type mm-hmm. of facility, right? And so they don't want to be taxed. You no, know, I I know who, who wants to be taxed, right? I don't want to Seriously. Tax. Don't <laughs> be taxed. So, like, you know, you talk about, I, bank, didn't go but, I, build mean, I lost... a billion dollar em- enterprise to give you half of it, Uncle Sam. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, but, you're talking about banking. I've lost my bank uh,
2: six times. Oh, many
1: Christmas. And then what do oh. they call you? Are you an I, MR, I,
2: I, MRB? What tier? I don't even know because oh. it, you know, um, it was shocking to us because we, we, our customer is an insurance agent, and then obviously the insurance agent's customer is the business owner. So we've, in my existence, we've never received cash one time in our existence um, from any of our clients. And so to get our bank account kicked out, uh, was shocking. And not only did they kick out our corporate, this was the same bank that my grandfather had opened up his first company business in 1947, after wow. 1936, after he came back from World War II. And so my dad had his business in there and they kicked my father out because I was a signer. Wow. Accounts. They kicked me out. They kicked everybody out. And you know then I'm scrambling to go find payroll because payroll was due in three weeks and I have a name of Canisher. And, you know, and you're he, like, why
1: didn't I call yeah. it? nothing going on here solutions damn it
2: so i had to go you know we had to go change we had to go spend a couple thousand bucks tens of thousands of dollars go out and create a new holding company in a very short period of time which would allow us to go and secure banking which meant we also had to change all of our contracts all of our licenses that we have for every single state so you know we we spend on average we double pay for our insurance licenses so that cost to us every year somewhere around an additional 20 to thirty thousand dollars a year that we have just um, in licensing for no reason other than the fact that we couldn't get get a bank account, and that's those are just straight costs.
0: Is that something you would cover too, though, to help protect, say, a dispensary owner who gets shut cut off from all his money? No, that's not something yeah. I does. mean, you can't. I mean, look,
2: you, you know, you, you can create an insurance product for anything, but the vast majority of insurance products that are out there, right, are not going to be after that. Like, you think of like a standard commercial insurance policy for a a widget. Name the widget manufacturer, right? the vast majority of marijuana policies uh, that are kind of processors are going to mirror a lot of what they have. There's going to be variances that come into certain exclusions because of the industry that they're in or the type of equipment that they may be using or the chemicals they're using. But that's no different than a, you know, a, a guy that handles pool stuff. His policy is going to be different than a guy that, that washes dogs, right? There's going to be some differences there, but the main body language, you know, Tom, you're a lawyer, we used ISO, the insurance service office is what we based our insurance policy off of, right? We didn't try and create a brand new form and start with a blank piece of paper. We used ISO's form that's generally accepted and used. And then you you, you put in,
1: you know, you push and pull a few things there to get everybody on you board. do this all the time. It's You, you have a contract or, or an application for a cannabis license, and then you make it custom and specific to suit your needs.
2: Yep. Exactly. You know, And the other thing you brought up is in what I, one thing I really like tell everybody is the application becomes part of your insurance contract in our world. And so when you apply on there and you put information on there, when you do have a claim, the very first thing that the adjuster is going to pull out is the application. And if it varies or differs from what you're now saying or what we actually see now, that's when you have a problem. So, you know, we see all too often people, the uh, high level people push this task of completing the application down to somebody else and that person just doesn't know and answers a question and it creates a problem somewhere downstream because they don't realize it's part of your actual insurance
0: contract. So like in the sense of like the edibles you're talking, say someone decided to put in gluten, I don't know, and then but put gluten free on the thing. That'd be something that like if it was a recall, would you help yeah. cover that or?
2: Yeah. I mean, that would be something. Absolutely. Yeah. If there's an actual claim against it, absolutely. Sure. You know, you also have to allege, you know, bodily injury from someone, right? Because if you remember back a couple years ago uh, in Colorado, um, somebody uh, was going after one of the big, uh, one of the brands out there because they said they used Eagle 20 in their product and they shouldn't have paid X amount of dollars for Eagle because the product had Eagle 20 in it. Um, And so they never alleged any bodily injury. They just wanted, they didn't want to pay 20 bucks. They wanted to pay 10. And so, they, you know, whatever the number was, they wound up coming through with it. But that was, you know, if there was an actual injury associated with it because the Eagle 20 did cause some damage to them, that would have been a covered claim. But there oh, was there.
1: There's some cheap mugs out there. Yeah, there? well, exactly. <laughs> hey, I would only pay 10 if I had known that. I, uh, I don't know how you come up with the dollar amount because it was Eagle 20. Oh, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know yeah. either. Sometimes <laughs> damage calculations, I'm just like, you you don't understand how lawsuits work. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> but you it's sometimes- but I was going to get back to the concept that you mentioned, and I want to stress this just again. Everything that you put in your application is very often a condition of your license. And so if you are having an insurance coverage, that insurance is going to need that you are in compliance with the law if you actually have like some type of loss. So they're going to look at your application to make sure that they can actually cover it because then if you were doing something that wasn't on your 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 application, it's not a part of your license, which uh, would mean that it's an illegal contract.
2: So absolutely, and a lot of in some of the states require that you name the state plus the regulatory body as an additional insured on your policy. You have to produce a certificate to the state on an annual basis.
0: Do you see that a lot? People filling in the application for one thing, then start posing and doing things another way, and then
2: Um, we've definitely seen some things. You know. We, we understand because these businesses are growing, right? And you have a lot of eager entrepreneurs who have a great business plan. They're very eager about things. They, they're they passionate about it. And they step, they step into it and they all of a sudden realize what their grand edible product or whatever it was is not going to work. And so they got to pivot somewhere, right? And they undoubtedly forget to tell us or whatever it is. And that's okay because those things are as long as it's still within that confined territory, right? You didn't go from being a edible manufacturer to all of a sudden to a dispensary like right it was you're you're still an edible manufacturer you're just making a different type of product or you've changed over we're just going to do oil now we're just going to process oil we're not going to make any more edible stuff like that so those things we see a lot of changes and we understand that because people they have to pivot quickly in this industry because the world's changing changing on them so we do see that we do see some times where people put some values in that are absolutely insane When it comes to what they think the plant is worth, a mother plant, telling me a mother plant is worth $80,000 or something. It's like, how do you come up with that calculation? Well, if I have the mother plant of every single branch off it for X amount of time, would have been this. But yes, but you have two other ones sitting right there. So the loss isn't actually real because we give you something to cover it. But it's not going to be eighty thousand dollars because you have something to replace it immediately right. there's no no, yeah.
1: how long does it take to train a mother up you know <laughs> uh, oh it could take forever you have to do all the peanut hunt no okay okay <laughs> but that mother right there do you yeah, have yeah. those genetics you know yes. if you lost her yeah yeah exactly so i mean
2: there are a lot of you know there's nuances right and people are learning and things happen and so you know miscommunication misunderstandings happen we've we've luckily knock on wood you know we've had our claims have related uh, basically revolved around theft at dispensaries we had a lot of stuff related to the riot and looting earlier this summer we had quite a few in major metropolitan areas luckily because of the way the dispensaries are built they barely got inside any of them they got inside one or two you know um, they caused some serious damage in one that they were sitting inside for six hours chipping away at you know vaults and everything else and we got to pay it it is what it is uh, but the other ones that we're going to see are mostly around fires and grows um, the lights falling, not being properly installed, not having the proper, you know, um, uh, ties, if you will, on there, they fall, they explode. I've seen some videos where it's just you just sit there and you just watch it, just whole room go up in smoke, and then the room come, and you look at the next room, and you can see the smoke coming through the vents and you just, you just, you see you know, a fire burn.
1: hazard, like, cause like if you've, you've been in the industry for this long, you've probably seen a, a substantial changeover from HPS and quite hot, you know, lights, which yeah. maybe be, and they, they pull a lot of power when they switch on. So like, I could see one of those sparking and going up way more than like an LED. Have you seen yeah. a decline in the uh, fire risk as LED technology has come onto the scene?
2: We definitely have and we definitely underwrite to that. So if you're using LED lights, your 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 rating is going to be significantly cheaper than if you're not if you're using the the, uh, the high density lights just because for you said I mean all well, of our awesome.
1: love the, the 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 some of the uh growers are like, ah the HPS just I don't know what it is about them photons, it just does it better. And then
2: yeah, uh, you know, look, as I said before, that's fine, right? That, that's totally fine. We have no problem with that because we can't say no because that's what the industry is, and so we have to adapt. We just have done an underwriting thing, you know, where let's say it costs you a thousand bucks and I'm just using numbers. If you are using um uh, the, the the high powered lights. You know, maybe we charge you a thousand. If you're using the LED lights, it could be seven fifty. You know, it's yeah. so it's not like it's a thousand to a hundred. So right. it's just it costs doing business. And you know, for most people, they they'd rather have the production out of the the high high density lights than the other ones.
0: Do you negotiate? Like, are, is one able to negotiate their their insurance plan with you? Like, hey, uh, what kind of deal can I get using these kind of lights? Uh, you know, this kind of pesticide is there something like that involved, or is it mostly? somebody already in the business saying, this is what I got. This is what I do. What can you do for me? Um,
2: Yeah. I mean, negotiation. Sure. Everything's negotiable, right? You go negotiate everything, but there are, there is reality. We have underwriting rules and we have parameters. So we have, you know, um, Credits and debits that can be given uh, that obviously work for in people's favor. So if you have a more experience, you can, you can get those, you're using the led lights. There's again, those are additional credits and debits. Um, you know, sometimes people don't necessarily negotiate about price they negotiate on coverages and exclusions and removing some of them. Mm. Um, I would find and tell people that sometimes you can have some more success that way than just trying to fight about price. Because at the end of the day, I always laugh as, People are willing to go spend $10,000 on a Bob Marley poster to put in their dispensary, but they're not worth not willing to spend $5,000 to insure their dispensary. Like, dreams. Is that possible? <laughs> yeah, like,
1: what do it we do? It's the dreams. Way? It's like, oh, really? it's going to be beautiful. I'm going to have yeah. this. Yeah. Is it insured? Uh, I, oh, Yeah, I see good. it all the time.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, I oh. see it all the time where it's just like, hey, uh, you, it's five grand. Okay, I only want to pay you $4,500. Yeah, but that picture over there that you bought is $10,000. So... I'm going to card you a couple hundred extra bucks to make sure that if somebody comes in and throws their elbow through it or breaks it, and you ask me to pay you 10 grand for it, I will pay you for it, but you got to pay me an extra 500 bucks and they balk at it every time.
1: Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, man, I got, I got one more for you. Yep. Uh, it gets back to the federal laws and they haven't done these in a while, but we you know they, they were doing them nine years ago and Lance Glore is still in prison. Uh, what about federal raids? Can I have an federal raid writer on my policy?
2: So there was, for a period of time, there was a federal raid rider. I would not sell it. Um, It also, the companies that were selling it got a visit from the Department of Insurance and the Department of Justice. So asking them what it was for, because the government doesn't like you insuring illegal acts. And so if you're brazenly telling them that I'm going to insure you against a federal raid, uh, they're not very interested in that. They were okay with it because at the end of the day, there wasn't a bunch of stuff in it, right? It was a little bit amount and you had to be dismissed from the case and all these kind of things. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, my opinion, it, we wake up every single day, every last one of us that's in this industry and you're under threat of constant threat of being arrested. And that's something you accept and you move forward and it yeah. is what is a, it, it, for
1: the hemp industry, man. I mean, because like the DEA regs that came out or that's a rule. Yeah. Uh, as soon as you throw that hemp into the extractor, boom, it's a marijuana facility. Are you kidding? You know, uh, and so that's one of the things that I harp on about the administrative change. There could be a new head of DEA by January. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah,
2: for sure. No, I mean, there, there, we definitely need, we've been actively involved for a long time in politics because we have to, right? We have to help effect change. And, and the only way to do that is from the inside out. And so we have to donate to the politicians that we feel. The, in the organizations that are supporting the, the, our businesses and our, and our goals as an industry.
1: Word. Patrick,
0: thank you so much for joining us today. Where can we go to find and follow what you guys got going on at Canisher?
2: Uh, well, com, and then uh, I'm sure on LinkedIn we have a bunch of stuff, but other than that, we're a boring insurance company, so I don't think you're going to find too much fun on Instagram, Twitter, or anyplace else. So,
1: LinkedIn, well, come on. think of like the visuals of the the contracts, like the contract stack with a pen on it. Like, oh, we're going to sign the hell out of that, yeah, exactly. so many revisions, you know, exactly, That's exactly right. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for the opportunity. Have a great
2: afternoon. Thanks, Thanks Patrick. Patrick.
0: Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you like, and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We will see you on Sunday.